Our Heavenly Father, we bow here once again in your presence, Lord, thanking you for this opportunity to come together to worship. Father, we pray your blessings upon this group of people, this church. Father, continue to lead us and guide us, and I pray for anyone here this morning who may not know you as their personal Savior, that today somehow they would understand and receive you as their Savior. Father, for all of us that are hurting, all of us that are in need of prayer, Lord, we lift those prayers up to you now, and we're trusting, Lord. We're trusting that and we know from Scripture that you hear us and that you will respond, and Lord, our faith is in you. So now we give you the remainder of this service, and we pray that as we look into your word, that, Lord, you'd open it up to us, and that we might learn and be drawn closer to you. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, why don't we all be seated. This coming Wednesday will be uh, the beginning of a new year, 2020. And how many of you never thought you'd make it to 2020? Uh, It seems like, you know, I can remember back years ago thinking, good grief, that's a long way off. But here it is right here at our doorstep. Um, Let me ask you this. Now I want to show hands on this, okay? And be honest, um, how many, for for you at least, um, what was 2019 like? Was it a... A bad year for you. Just raise your hand and say, I don't want to do 2019 over ever again. All right, we got several, yeah. All right, for the rest of you, I'm going to assume it was a good year. Yeah? Okay, well, good. Now, you know, um, I know that for some of us, and I think some of us didn't raise our hands, but 2019 was a hard year. Uh, Some, maybe for you, you were divorced or going through marital problems, where some of you perhaps you lost a loved one, you struggled through the death of somebody that you loved that's very dear to you. Maybe you lost your job. That seems to be an issue with a lot of our folks here in this church. Our jobs are always fluctuating. We have them and we lose them. Um, Maybe you've been sick, diagnosed with something, found out you're seriously ill. Maybe that's what's happened for you in this year of 2019. But I would be willing to bet that if we were to sit down with a piece of paper and to write out not only the things that we don't want to ever have to go through again, that we would call, you know, things that are bad circumstances, don't want to have to go through that, but I would bet you that there are probably a great deal of blessings. That as you begin to list them, you're going to say, okay, this was hard, but let me tell you, right here before me I can think of, and you can list off a certain number of blessings that have come your way in 2019. I think, as I look at Scripture, this is something that happens to us all the time. We just don't realize it. Um, But we are truly blessed, even in the worst year of life. Uh, there's always the blessings of God. Let me read you this verse of Scripture. It's on the front of your bulletin, actually. It says, John, it's in John 1.16. It says, Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Now think about what that's saying. Out of the fullness of God he has given to you and me grace upon grace that he gave us yesterday or last year. Um, another way of looking at it, in some translations they translate it this way, God has just poured out blessing upon blessing. And that's what he's done for you. And I think that that is true, but I don't think that we always recognize it or understand it. Now, what exactly is a blessing? Well, let me give you a working definition of what I think a blessing is. It's to bestow happiness, 
joy, prosperity, or good things of any kind upon someone else. So you're bestowing something that I've listed here, happiness, joy, prosperity, any good thing, whatever that may be, on somebody else, that is what you would call a blessing. And when God does it for you and me, that's a blessing from God. But oftentimes what I've found is that God uses other people to bring these things about in our lives. God blesses me by using other people to bestow these things on me. And that's true of you as well. Now, it may be that somewhere in this past year or somewhere past in, in, in life, in years past, you've been in need of money, and God brought somebody along to help you with that. That was a blessing. Maybe you needed a job, and all of a sudden it just seemed like miraculously there was a job provided for you. Well, that was a blessing. Maybe you were going through a hard time, you lost a loved one, and you just needed somebody to, <laughs> a shoulder to cry on or somebody to comfort you. And sure enough, God brought somebody along. Well, that was a blessing. You needed special help with something. Maybe it was just something simple. You were just moving and you needed some help. And somebody just volunteered to, to help you. Well, that was a blessing because it was something that you needed at the time. And we don't often stop to think of them that way or to, to consider them. But think about this for just a moment. How were you blessed in 2019? How were you blessed? Think about it. Because probably there's something that just jumps out at you and it's, it's the first thing on your list of, of several things that you could jot down. What is it? How has God blessed you? And, you know, through whom did he bless you? How did he bring that about? Maybe it was just another individual that came along. Now, as good or as bad as 2019 was, I would venture to say that every one of us want a better 2020, don't we? We want 2020 to be better, even better than it was in 2019, regardless of what took place. I think that's human nature. I think that it's something that we all desire, something that we all want. And I think that it's also something that we all ought to be praying for. We all should be praying for ourselves and for each other that 2020 would be a better year. And just list the ways in your prayer time. Just list the ways. Lord, I want this. I need this. Help me here. Whatever that may be. And again, it could be anything that bestows goodness on you in some way, or happiness or joy. Because I'll, I'll guarantee you there are many number, any number of ways that God brings about blessings into your life, and you and I need to be praying for that and praying for it faithfully, not only for ourselves but for other people as well. We need to be praying for our church. We need to be praying for people in this church that God would bless them. We can think of the things that are going on in their lives and the things that they need. And we ought to be faithful to pray for that. Now let me ask you this question. In considering God's blessings in the coming year in 2020, here's the question. Are you ready for God's blessing? Are you ready for it? You think to yourself, well, Pastor, how am I supposed to get ready for it? Well, I think Scripture gives us at least some indication of how you and I need to be preparing and waiting and looking for God's blessing. Now, you could probably put a lot of things under this heading, okay? I'm not here to give you an exhaustive list on how you prepare for God's blessings because, again, there's any number of things that I could think of that would go on here. But today, I'm just going to share with you two things. In preparation for the coming year, these are two things that I want to challenge you to begin to think through and to begin to change about your life. Number one, I want you to know this, that blessings are meant to be passed on. 
I think this is a very important point in Scripture. It's taught to us over and over again that God blesses you and he prepares you in order that you might be a blessing to somebody else. In other words, he wants you and me to take whatever goodness comes our way and to pass it on. And again, anything, okay? It's not just focusing in on money or whatever, his sickness. It's anything that God has used to bring about a blessing in your life then you need to be considering how you're going to be a blessing to somebody else in this coming year. Because, and I'll show you this in a moment, but there's a connection. But I want to jump ahead of myself. I believe that God expects you to bless somebody else. And again, not necessarily in the same way. If somebody comforts you and they're a blessing to you, it may be that an opportunity arises for you to help somebody out financially. Maybe it's a different blessing. But the point is that we are all asking and looking for ways to be a blessing to somebody else. Now, this is very important, especially in this day and age, because it seems like more and more in our society we are becoming withdrawn. We are, or we're withdrawing into our little uh, worlds with our electronics, and we're not fellowshipping, we're not um, being with other people, we're not looking for those opportunities, and we don't see them and we are becoming less and less involved in each other's lives, and therefore it becomes harder and harder for us to be a blessing to anybody. But I really believe that if you're going to prepare for God's blessings on your life, then you need to understand that these blessings are meant to be passed on. That's what God wants. I'm going to run you through some scripture, all the way back in the Old Testament and several out of the New Testament that just teach this point, that blessings are meant to be passed on. So let me take you there, okay? Back in Genesis, in the life of Abraham, I want to take you to Genesis 12 in verse 2. And this is what God is saying to Abraham. He says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Now, we know from history, uh, biblical history, that God did just that. He blessed Abraham and the Jewish nation and blessed them beyond measure. And God's intent was that they would then bless the world in any number of ways. But here it is. It's tied together. If you're, I'm going to bless you, but I expect you to be a blessing to somebody else. Now, let's go to the New Testament. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, in verse 11. He says, you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, in this particular passage, Paul is talking about money. That's the context that he is, is uh, saying this. And he's saying to those that are givers and those that are helping out with other people and generous with other people, he says, God's going to bless you and God's going to make you rich in every way. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be millionaires. It's just saying God's going to pour out blessings on you in every way imaginable. But you need to understand God is expecting you to be generous on every occasion. Do you see the connection? I am blessed, but God expects me to be a blessing. I am given, and God expects me to give back in some way. In Luke chapter 12, verse 48, I'm going to pick up in about the middle of the verse here. It says, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. 
That's pretty clear. God has given much. God has blessed. He said, I'm going to ask you now to give back in whatever way in which I have blessed you. So there again, the connection. I bless, but I expect you to pass it on. One more, and then we'll move on. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, Paul again, here's what he says, talking about God. He says, the God who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. God says, I bless you, I comfort you when you're hurting, when you're grieving, when you're in pain, but with the expectation that you give back in some way to somebody else, you bless them as well. So you cannot get away from this this principle in Scripture that God blesses us, but he expects us to pass it on to somebody else. Now, when I ask you, are you prepared, this is what I'm talking about. Do you understand this principle? Because when God does bless me, in whatever way he does that, then there is an expectation that God has on my life that I am then to turn around and give it out to other people. Now keep that in mind because I'm going to piggyback off of that into point number two. Now they go together in a watch. Now point number two is this. What goes around comes around. What goes around comes around. In other words, God says, I want you to be a blessing to other people as I poured it out on you because you need to understand something. That what goes around comes around. What you sow, you're going to reap. What you give out, what you do, the way you minister is going to come back to you again. And it's almost like a circle. God says, I give to you, you give to other people. When you give to other people, I give to you again. It's a wonderful principle of Scripture. And it's true not only in the area of finances, which we've studied before, but in every area of our lives that we give out as God gives to us and God returns it again to us. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, Jesus said this, he said, Give, and it will be given to you. A measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, there's a couple of things in this passage that you need to see, okay? God says that when you give, well, first of all, I'm going to give to you, and then I expect you to give back. But, he said, you need to understand something, that my blessings are described this way. They're pressed down and shaken. Have you ever tried to fill up a cup with flour or sugar or something, and you get it, and you put it in there, and you beat it down because you want it to settle, you want all that you can get in there, and then you press down on it? And then you just keep pouring more on it until you keep it pressed down. And as you do, a lot of the flour or sugar pours out. Now, the description that he's using here is this. He says, I'm going to bless you. And then I'm going to press down and shake it together, and it's going to be running over into your lap. And then I want you to give whatever blessings I've given out to you, I want you to give to somebody else. Because you need to understand this principle, that with the same measure you give it away, that's the same measure I'm going to return it to you. Oh, 
What goes around comes around. What I give, I get back. Now, please understand, okay, this is confusing whenever we talk about blessings because we keep wanting to focus in on one area of blessing. I may bless somebody in a certain way if it's just helping them physically with some project they have. It's a blessing to them. God returns the, the blessing to me in some other form. It could be a new job that I've been praying about and all of a sudden God gives it to me. It could be a, a, a change in my situation with my health. It's not a reward so much as it's just a principle of life that I am in a circle of giving and receiving. And too many of us, we get into this mindset that I get to keep the blessings to myself and then we wonder why they stop. Then we wonder why we are broke, why we're having trouble, why our marriages are suffering, why our health and so forth. Well, God says, no, 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 you need to understand that with the same measure you give it away, that's the measure I'm going to give to you. That whole principle about what goes around comes around is very important. Let me give you some examples. Some of these are from my life. And some of you I've told these before too. Um, like I told you before, we all get older and we forget. So and for some of you I may have told you, but it's going to be brand new, okay? Um, money is one of the ways in which God blesses us in which we then turn around on our blessing to somebody else. You know, when we were in Bible college, in seminary. I've told you about these, these, these times in our lives before, that when we went to Florida back in the 70s to go to Bible college, we had a four-year-old son, and Deborah and I packed everything we had in this little car and took off to go to Bible college, and everybody thought we were crazy. And looking back on it, I think we were crazy. <laughs> I didn't at the time, but boy, looking back on it now, at my age, I think, oh gosh, if my kids did that, I don't know what I'd do, but at any rate, we finished Bible college and came out here to Dallas to go to seminary then, living over in Duncanville, and we got involved in a church there while we were in seminary, and it's almost as if everybody in church just took us on as their child, you know, and I was probably close to 30 years old by that time, and had uh, two daughters added to my, my quiver, and, um, but they just looked at us as theirs. And I can't tell you the number of times that people have blessed us there at that church. There was one couple that we had that were good friends of ours, Gail and Barbara. She basically assumed the role of grandmother to my children. And she was a blessing, believe me. I can remember when I finally graduated from seminary, and they had helped us along the way, but this one particular thing that Gail was her, her husband, uh, Gail said, he said, Dave, come on. He said, you're getting out of seminary now. You're going to get a church somewhere, and you need to have some, some dress clothes, some uh, coats and ties. Well, as you can tell, it didn't stick. I don't wear coats and ties. But at any rate, at that time, I did need them. And in the church that I was getting ready to help out with and go on staff with required that. And so he took me, and he said, here. You can buy two sport coats and two pair of slacks. We're going to buy you some new shoes. And I'd buy something, and I'd look at the price, and I'd think, oh, man, I feel terrible doing this. And he'd say, nope, get it. He'd say, you need this, too. Oh, that tie right there, that's beautiful. Let's get that one. 
And so he must have spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars on me and never, never batted an eye. And it wasn't, it wasn't that I was asking. It was just that he did it. And what a blessing. What a blessing. And I, he was right. I did not know and didn't even think at the time that I was going to need those things, but yet he did. Hospitality, boy, that's another way that you bless people. You'd be amazed at the act of hospitality and what it means to people. To have somebody into your home, to, to make them a part of, of your family and to let them see you warts and all, there's just something about it. You know, in our small groups we meet on Sunday night, that's kind of the, the, the purpose or point behind it. You know, you get into somebody's house and you get to know them. When we were in Florida, now this was back in the 70s, we had been working at a church, uh, just a little church we were helping out with while I was in Bible college and was just learning things and I was trying to help them out. We met a couple and they invited us to their home. They said, listen, we do a little Bible study on uh, Friday night, I think it was, and said that our Bible study leader is, is gone and we would like maybe for you to help us out. So I started going to their homes, and it's an Italian family. There were two sisters, Rosemary and Camille, and their husbands and their kids, and it was like chaotic. And it did not matter. They didn't pretend to be anybody they weren't. They just invited you in, and we had the best time over a period of years. And they made us part of their family. You know, my wife was pregnant with our first daughter at that time, and... um, we went out to Rosemary's because she was a nurse and Hurricane David was hitting the coast of Florida at that time. And she said, come out here and stay with me. If worse comes to worse, I'll deliver the baby. So we went out there. We would go to their home for dinner. Now, this is an Italian dinner. If you've ever eaten with Italians, you know what this is like. Thanksgiving, for example. You have the full American Thanksgiving traditional food. Turkeys and hams and dressings and all that. You eat that, but you don't eat a dessert yet. Because in about an hour, they bring out the Italian dinner with all of the pasta and homemade sauce and sausages and all this stuff, the antipasta, the, you know, the salad that came out before. I learned all these things from these Italians. And then they brought out the dessert. This is like, this is like an all-day affair. You just loud talking, having a good time, and, and so forth. But, you know, in our... It, in our situation, being away from home, not having a family, they always brought us into theirs. And I can't tell you what a blessing that was. Guys, you never know what a blessing you are to other people when you open up your home and you show hospitality. That is a blessing to people. To accept somebody without judging, that would be another way to bless them, to accept them without judging. Now, that doesn't mean that you ignore their sin. It doesn't mean that you justify their sin. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about seeing somebody who's hurting, who's fallen by the wayside, has fallen into something they shouldn't be in, and when everybody else is turning their back on them, you show compassion. That's what we're talking about. We were up in Indiana after I left Texas, and I took a church up in Indiana as the senior pastor up there. We're there for like 13 years. And one day, a gentleman comes into my office. He'd been visiting the church. He comes in, he sits down, he says, I have to tell you something. And he told, you know, told me all of his life story and told me that he had AIDS. 
Now, he had contracted it from a woman and, and so forth. I'm not going to tell you the story on that, but his question was this. He said, I need to know before I come in here and get involved and get to loving these people and them loving me, I need to know how you feel and are you going to run me off? Because in the past I've been run off. I said, no, I'm not going to run you off. I said, we'll set up some guidelines. You're not to work with children. I just don't want you any problem there. I said, and, and you know the safety precautions and so forth. And this was early stages. I knew nothing about AIDS at the time. I said, you just take precautions with interaction with folks and just be careful and nobody has to know. And so he did that. And for years, you know, a little bit at a time, people began to find out and they were okay with that. And the church accepted him and loved him just the same. And what a blessing it was to this guy. And I cannot tell you the number of times he would come into my office and just weep because we accepted him and didn't run him off. To accept somebody without passing judgment and condemnation is so important, and it's a way in which you are a blessing to somebody. Acts of kindness. Just any act of kindness. When we were up at Indiana, a dear family that we knew there, the Bucks, they had a foreign exchange student from Notre Dame. He was from Pakistan, and he came, and they had gone up and applied for it, and they were assigned this young man and I, I'll call him Rajesh or something. That was some odd name I can't pronounce. But they had him for a period of years. And he would come to their home at holidays, and they'd come over for dinner. They'd go up and see, you know, things that he was doing up at the school. They just, and he was a part of their family. And my gosh, you could not believe the relationship that they developed. And even when he went back home, he still calls. He still sends gifts to these people. Because these people were such a blessing to him during a time in his life when he needed it. Just an act of kindness. Guys, there are people all around you who just need an act of kindness. They just need to be blessed. Just writing a note. Preparing some extra fried chicken one night when you're cooking dinner and taking over somebody that may not even need it. But you thought about them and you came over and you brought them dinner. What a blessing to give somebody a hug. A couple of weeks ago, I had a man come up and show up in my office, and um, he had some needs, and we talked about that, and I was able to help him out a little bit. But I asked, you know, at the end of the conversation, I said, is there anything else that we need to talk about? He said, well, before I go, he said, could I just get a hug? So here we are, two grown men in my office hugging. Wouldn't have been my first choice, but you know what? It ministered to him. And what a blessing it was for him because he needed it. And so sometimes people just need a hug. Sit with somebody in church. How many of us, we have our own little assigned places? I can look out there and tell who's missing just because I know where you sit every Sunday. <laughs> you see, now you're going to fake me out and move around. And that's okay. I would appreciate you moving around. And go sit down with somebody that is new to the church or has not been here very long. That's, that's a blessing. Ministry, getting involved in the nursery, helping people like that. I could go on and on. These are all blessings. And God says to you and me that here are the principles that what goes around comes around. And when I give to you, I mean for you to give it out. Maybe not the same way, it could be different, but just 
do something to minister to somebody else, to be a blessing to somebody else. Why aren't we more consistent? That's the question. See, why aren't we more consistent? Why does a pastor have to stand up here and tell you that you ought to be a blessing to somebody? Why is that? Because I'll be honest with you. I'm as convicted as, as, as any of you over this because sometimes we get caught up in our own little world and the honest truth as to why we're not consistent is not because we're selfish, because I know you people. I've seen you. And I know you're not selfish. Your problem is the same problem I've got, and here it is. We just don't look. We just don't look. We get caught up in our own world and our own needs and our own family and our own time together and our own friends, and we don't look around us at the needs that other people have. And guys, I really want to encourage you just to start looking. And again, get off of this idea that blessing falls into one category and start looking at the whole gamut of what blessings look like and in any way possible that you could enrich somebody else's life, then please do it. And don't wait for somebody to tell you. There are needs all around us, and I'm convinced that if we listen to the Spirit of God, God's going to prick our hearts. God's going to give us the, the, the thought that, hey, you need to take those cookies over there to that, that person because they just need somebody to lift them up today. One last thing. What will you have to do in 2020 to start blessing others? What will you have to do to become a blessing? Very quickly, let me tell you. There's a couple of things. Number one, you're going to have to be convinced that you need to be a blessing because some of you still may not be convinced. See, this is the sort of thing that preachers tell you. And when preachers tell you, well, they're expected to tell you this, and so therefore you don't really have to listen. That's the way we look at this. Preachers always talk about that, so I can just tune them out. Guys, you're going to have to be convinced in your heart that this is something you need to do. You are going to have to be convinced that this is something that God has called you to do, to be a blessing. And when you're convinced of that, then you're more apt to be looking. But as long as you think to yourself, well, that's for everybody else, but not for me, or I have nothing to offer, then you're never going to do it. Here's the second thing that you need to do, and that is to watch and learn from other people. You watch and learn from other people. Remember the story about Rosemary and Camille, the Italian ladies? Do you know to this day, if you ask my wife, now my wife is very hospitable. She loves to entertain. She loves to have people over. We don't get to do it as much because she's working so much right now. But this is something she's always loved to do. You ask her to this day why you are that way, and she'll tell you because I learned it from Rosemary and Camille. Those two ladies were such an inspiration to her. An example. For years, we lived with them for the most part. And it was an example to her, and it impacted her life. There are people around you that are examples of what it means to minister to somebody to be a blessing. And you need to be observant. You need to look. You need to think, man, and I know I've heard some of you say, I wish I were more like that person. Well, then you can be. Just do it. There's nothing special about that person. They simply made themselves available. So do it. 
They're the example, now follow it. Here's the third thing that you need to do, and that is this. You need to plan for it. You need to plan for it. There are times when you just want to just see something and you think to yourself, I could help with that. I could change their life and then make a plan and follow it through. When we lived up in Indiana, I got, I, I got into deer hunting. Now, I, I, had, I had come up there from Texas. I had tried it down here. I, the deer in my office I got down. No, I got up there. I, I had only shot. Now, for those of you that aren't deer hunters, bear with me, okay? I'd only taken um, small deer. So I go up to Indiana, these big deer up there. They eat corn all day long. They're huge. And so I got into this, you know. A guy in the church had come out to my place. It's only 50 acres, but you can walk out the back door and shoot deer all day long. That's just how it is up there. So we got to hunting together. I would borrow his gun, his shotgun. You can only hunt with shotguns up there. And um, every time we went, I'd, I'd just hunt with his gun. It was no big deal. He had several. One day, now this is in a snowstorm. We come home from wherever we had been, pull into the garage, shut the garage door, and there at the doorway leading into the house was a shotgun, brand spanking new. Now, it came from him, and I knew who it was came from. I called him. I said, man, what are you doing? He said, you needed a gun. Now, see, he had already observed. You needed a gun. I planned to get you one, and I did it. Now, the real question was, how'd you get into my garage? <laughs> and he said, the window was unlocked into the garage. And so I came in and I gave, put the gun out. I said, let me get this straight because it's cold and he always wore this black toboggan. I said, you came into my window with a, tobo- a hoodie and a gun and cars going down the road and you didn't see a problem with that. Well, evidently not. He wanted to give me the gun. He wanted it to be a surprise. So he got it in there, and then he left, and, and, and he just thought that was, the, he just got the biggest kick out of that because he got to do this for me, and it was something that he planned to do. Now, right now, you know of some need in the church among us, of, of, us here or maybe outside the church, something that you've thought about. God has laid it on your heart, and you came up with this idea that, you know what, I would love to help that person with this, but you just never followed through. Well, this is what I mean. You have the idea, you come up with a plan, and you do it. And so in 2020, if things are going to change, you're not only going to have to be convinced that you need to do this, you're going to need to watch and learn from people, and then you're going to have to plan it, and you're going to have to do it. You just do it. And there will be times when these acts of kindness are spontaneous. There's a need, you hear about it, and you just jump on it. But there are other times you need to make a plan. But the point is this, and we do that. We all do this. We see the need, we think of how it could be, could be met, and then we think to ourselves, well, somebody will take care of that. But nobody ever does because everybody's thinking the same thing. You see, it's not so much a question of the need getting met. It's the question is, are you going to do it? See, that's what God's asking. 
God can take care of that need because if you don't, he'll get somebody to do it. The thing God's asking you is this. I have blessed you in these ways, and what goes around comes around, and if I'm going to continue to bless you in these ways, then I'm asking you to be the blessing to somebody else, and are you going to do it? See, that's the question. So here we sit on the verge of a brand new year, and every one of us has to answer the question, what am I going to do this year to be a blessing to somebody? I want 2020 to be your best year. I want 2020 to be the best year for this church. I want us all to begin to see the needs around us and start trying to meet those needs. And when we do, everybody is lifted up. And everybody's blessed. Because that's what God wants for his church. And that's what we need to do. One of the biggest ways in which God blesses us is through salvation. Let me read you this verse. It's in John 6:47. And if you're here this morning and you're questioning that, you're doubting that, please listen to this verse. It's very simple. Jesus said this in John 6:47. He said, I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. He who believes has right then at that moment eternal or everlasting life. Now, there's no mention of works there. There's no mention of your self-righteousness. There's only one requirement, and that is that you believe. You know, Jesus died on the cross to take the penalty for your sin. He died for it. His blood was shed for you. And God the Father says to you and me that if you will believe in Him, that if you will turn to Him, then I will give you as a free gift eternal life. It doesn't get any simpler. The question is, will you accept it? It's very simple. Right there where you sit, in the quietness of your own heart, this is between you and God. It's not between you and the church. It's between you and God. That you make the decision to believe what God has said. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith in Christ, do not, do not understand it, then settle the issue once and for all right here. Just settle it. All the other questions you have will come into clarity as time goes on. But the biggest question is this. What are you going to do with Jesus Christ? Do I believe that he died on the cross for me or do I not? Believe it, accept it, and be saved. That's God's call to you. For all of the rest of us, well, all of us in, in here, this coming year, you be a blessing to somebody else. It may even mean you telling them about Jesus Christ, whatever it may be. But make a commitment that you're going to be that person in 2020. Our Heavenly Father, as we bow here before you, Father, we are overwhelmed with the reality that we fall short sometimes. We fail to be the people that you want us to be. We Sometimes we get selfish and blind to the needs of others. Lord, forgive us for that. Father, help us to see all the people around us who are in need and, I, and that we would want to be the blessing, that we wouldn't want to wait for somebody else to do it, that we would do it simply because we want to honor you. And Father, we know the principles that we've talked about so well. 
that it's meant to be passed on. That's why you're blessing. And that when we do, the blessings are returned to us. Father, I pray that we would learn this well. In Jesus' name, amen.